Hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to another episode of So I Married a Horror Fan. I am one of your hosts Simon and you are... Lee. And today we are rocking with Dokken. We are going to be looking at Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors, um, episode 114. Mm -hmm. What is this lunacy? Um... Mate, we've been rattling through these. We've been having a very up and down time mm -hmm. <laughs> covering uh, these three calls. Um, Lee's like, man, I had to sit through Army of Darkness. We could have covered Child's Play 3. Could have watched Chucky fuck up a military school. Could have watched... Mate, we could have watched Friday the 13th Part 3 with the fucking disco Friday the 13th theme where my boy Jason gets his hockey mask. But... We're saving Jason for later in the year. We he's are. coming. He's coming back. The man behind the mask is coming back. He's going to be back. Yes. Um, yeah. I've been wanting to cover this movie for a long ass time. Yeah. So I fucking talk about this movie all the time. We do. You really and I feel. Fun. I feel like we are in like three strikes and you're out territory. Because we've already tried you on the original Nightmare on Street, mm -hmm. which you weren't that fussed on. No. And then we tried New Nightmare, which you, again, were up and down on. Mm -hmm. um, so I was like, well, we've covered the other two movies with Heather Lang and Campin. So let's cover the, the last one. Let's Did you know in. the second one? No. So Heather Lang, there is a loose, like, Nancy trilogy, which is the original, this one, and then New Nightmare. Um, and it's the only three movies in the franchise that Wes Craven is involved in in some capacity. So um, I've been wanting to get you to watch Dream Warriors for a while because I felt like if New Nightmare was too abstract and not enough and Nightmare on Elm Street was like too too little too late. I should admit, then, they were dumb and dumb. Then this one was going to be maybe like the one... Of all the others, this is the only one that I could actually see you liking. And it fitted in with the theme of this month. So, um, yeah, I have uh, laid down the challenge for you to watch Dream Warriors. So let's let's get your little bit out of the way and then we will crack on with our thoughts on Dream Warriors. Yep, so directed by Chuck Russell. Before you move on, can I just tell you what else Chuck Russell directed? The oh. Mask. Mm -hmm. He made The Mask. That's unfortunate. <laughs> hey, I love that movie. Yeah, cool. Carry on. Was that it? Okay. He did The Blob as well, but I didn't think you'd care about The Blob. But, like, The Mask is Written the mask. by Wes Craven, Bruce Wagner and Frank Darabont. Darabont? Darabont. So, I just want to clear this up. Uh, Wes Craven and Neil Wagner uh -huh. are only credited with story. They're not actual writers. They're both credited for screenplay. Yeah, but they should. I think there's little bits of it in there, but they only really get a story credit. Um, the main bulk of the script was written by Chuck Russell and Frank Darabont. Okay. Cast wise, we have Heather Langenkamp as Nancy Thompson. She back. Craig Wasson. Wasson. Craig. Craig Wasson. Wasson. As Neil Gordon, Patricia Arquette as Kirsten Parker, Kristen, Robert England as Freddy Krueger, Ken, oh my God, Scoes. Yeah, 
Yeah. Kensagoas. Yeah. That, that sounds like it would be a word. As Kincaid. Uh, Rodney Eastman as Joey. Jennifer Rubin as Taryn. Bradley Gregg as Philip. Ira Hayden as Will. Uh, Lawrence Fishburne as Max. And Penelope Sudro as Jennifer. John Saxon's back as Lieutenant Thomas. Thompson. And Thompson, sorry. And Priscilla Pointer as Dr. Elizabeth Sims. And then who is the who plays the nun? There's a nun credited on there? Nan Martin plays the nun. What I up? know the fact she's called Nan. What up? Nan Martin as nun. Mm-hmm. Or she's Sister Mary S- Sister Mary Helena. Mrs. But then we find out that's not her real name. Oh what? Uh yeah. Plot line wise for this movie. Uh, a psychiatrist familiar with knife-wielding dream demon Freddy Krueger helps teens at a mental hospital battle the, battle the killer who is invading their dreams. Which, that's, yeah, that's the plot of this. Yeah. Uh, made on a budget of $4.5 million. And it made $44,793,222 back at box office. This movie was successful as fuck. Yes. So, I'm going to start with you. Mm-hmm. Did we find a Freddy movie that you actually liked? I didn't hate it. Okay. Which I think at this point with Freddy is all we can really ask. I didn't hate it. It got a bit ropey at the end, but overall it was alright actually. Yes, this one is good. I mean, I didn't say good, I said it was alright. Let's not, let's not toot his horn too much. But uh, it it was all right. I really like this one. I really like this one from multitude of uh, different reasons. I love the fact that Nancy comes back, and she's got a fucking rogue streak in her hair that she gets at the end of. It's on the, the wrong f- side, though. Yeah, stupid wig work. <laughs> but like, I love I love the fact that she comes back and she plays a pivotal role in this movie. Um, I think the I think the reason why this is my favourite is because this is like so it depends on which if you stop me in the street and ask me what my favourite Nightmare on Elm Street movie is it's either going to be one of two answers mm-hmm. depending on what day you catch me on I'll always say either Dream Warriors or New Nightmare because as we discussed on our New Ni- Nightmare episode I think New Nightmare is a fucking masterpiece I think it's one of Wes Craven's best movies um, I think the thing I love about this movie is it manages to be the like splitting point of what Freddy was and then what Freddy becomes. Mm-hmm. Um, because this movie is really fucking dark, like in every sense of the word. <laughs> um, and like for a movie, like the. Now, I don't want to give it too many props because I do think that there are still some harmful stereotypes in this movie. But I do think that having a film that deals with kids with mental health issues in like the third part of a slasher franchise and for the most part treating it seriously in the 80s when people weren't really talking about mental health is kind of interesting but I, as I say, I don't want to give the movie too many props because while it does deal with kids with serious mental health issues, it doesn't always do it in the most tactile of ways. I mean, 
it's one of those weird ones because of when this film was made mm -hmm. it is very representative of kind of like the places that existed in the 80s and how yeah. the treatments would have been delivered to children I say like them, I mean, you know, people aren't being haunted by a dream demon, but, like, it's the kind of treatments they would have given them and how they would have treated their patients. Mm. Like, and there was, like, a spate of it in the 80s as well. Like, it became, like, a really big thing in America of, like, send us your children and we'll make them better. We can fix anything. Yeah. They couldn't, but it was, like, a money-making scheme, basically. And it's also one of the only movies in the franchise that treats its protagonists as, like, real people. Like, every kid in this movie feels like a real person. Mm -hmm. They don't just feel like they're, like, checking boxes. Mm. Which, when you look at a lot of slasher movies, like, even ones that are out today, like, it's, like, everybody's ticking a box of some kind. Whereas I think every kid in this is, like, individual. Like, if I said to you, like, which one's Jennifer, you'd be like, oh, I know her. She's, like, the one who wants to be an actress. She's mm. the one who burns herself. And then, like, Taryn's got her own personality, and so's Kincaid, and so's, you know, Kristen and Joey, and I nearly called him Harry Potter then, the fucking Stephen King-looking one, I can't think of his name. Mm. Will. Will. Yeah. They all have their own, like, they all look different, they all have their own different personalities, they all have their own reasons why they're in the hospital, like, they all have their own, as we find out later, dream power. Um, and that's what I like about this movie, is, yeah... It's a little rough watching some of the stuff, like... And it's a little rough of being reminded of, like... Even nowadays, 36 years later, like, what a... Epidemic, like, teen suicide still is. Mm -hmm. And, like, this movie doesn't shy away from that. And it wants you to think about that. And to think about, like, kids with mental illness and, like, taking them seriously. And what we can do to kind of, like prevent them from like harming themselves any further and i think for that like for all of this thoughts that this movie does have and this franchise does have that's quite an important message and like the way that the movie portrays the message is quite important i think um as i say some some parts of the, the script are quite ham-fisted but i think the fact that they are like this is fucking serious shit although i there was one there's one scene in this movie and i'm sure it's the same scene for you that pissed me off it's when they start going on about how, like, a fucking cowardly suicide is and, like, how fucking weak people are and stuff like that. Yeah, but I, like, again, though, like... Again, like, yeah. I... That was basically what you would have told somebody in a mental inst like, in an institution in, like, the 80s. Yeah, I just... I just... I find things like that very angering. Um, but, like, I want to hear more of your thoughts on this movie. So, what did... Obviously, having... Uh, quite a ropey relationship with the franchise to this mm. point. Like, what were your expectations going into this movie, and like, what did you what did you think of this movie? My expectations can be summed up. I was texting my friend just before we started watching this, and I had said to him, "Oh no, that's all of NG. Uh, just about to watch Nightmare on Elm Street th three, so my evening is looking to suck." And then. Um, I'm not holding out any hope of this being good. Because <laughs> he was like, well, you let me know what you think of it. So what did you think of it? Did you know what? Out of the three I have now seen, it was four? Yeah, because you've seen Freddy vs. Jason. A long time ago. Mm. I'm ignoring that. Like, canonically <laughs> for the podcast, I've seen three Freddy Krueger movies. 
is the best of a bad bunch. I don't think there's anything that's going to get me to like a Freddy Krueger movie. Like, honestly, sit there and go, eh, this was a really good film, actually. Like, I really enjoyed it. It was super fun and very enjoyable. However, this one wasn't dreadful. Like, I, it felt way longer than it was, which seems to be a <clears> running <throat> theme with Freddy Krueger movies. They all seem to just drag the fuck out. Mm. But I didn't hate the characters. I think it was really helpful. I didn't hate the characters in this one yeah. at all. I really liked Kirsten. I quite like Nancy Kristen. anyway, Kristen. I really like Nancy anyway. Um, yeah. So it was nice to have Nancy. Um, but yeah, I really like Kri- Kristen, Kirsten, yeah, Kristen. Kirsten. Kristen. Kristen. Yeah. I liked Kristen. Um, I found King Cade annoying to a degree, but I kind of got why his character was the way he was. I just... People like that drive me nuts and I can't cope with them. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked the Wizard Boy. I really liked Joey. Joey was fucking adorable with his little crush Mate, on the Mate, he nurse. absolutely he gets, gets fucked over in this movie. Bless him. Um, so yeah, I liked, in fact, I liked all of the kids. Um, even those who weren't with us for very long. Phil. Yeah, and um, Jennifer. Jennifer. I really liked Taryn. I wish we'd got more time to get to know Taryn because she's the one character we don't really get to know a lot about. Yeah, and she's a really cool character she's as well. She's a really cool character. And they just kind of went, oh, we'll get... She She becomes a punk. That's her dream power. And she gets, like, a really brutal death her as death well. Like, unnecessarily. Um, but yeah, I quite liked it. I liked the way they'd set it in the hospital as well. And obviously, like, the doctor's not believing them. And the fucking... The cunty doctor. I fucking hated her. I want her to die. Mm. Um, being such a twat. I... Find it really fucking funny that over the last two days you've watched two movies that are set in like mental hospitals and feature some simpy blonde girl who's like really integral to the plot. Oh yeah, I watched, <laughs> I watched Hellraiser. I was like, what are you about? And I was like, oh yeah, I watched Hellraiser too. And yesterday. they both have a giant fucking worm thing in them as well. They do. Yeah, I watched Hellraiser too yesterday while I was working <laughs> in the background while I was trying to work. Hashtag skinless Julia rules. Yeah. Um, um, but no, I actually, like, I wouldn't say it was a good film, like, it's not a film I'm ever going to go back and watch willingly of my own volition, but I didn't hate it, like, there was enough stuff in it that I was like, this is alright. Mm. I, I like the fact that you've watched the three best Nightmare on Elm Street movies now. Like, two, like, a lot of people really like two, I think two is a bit of an odd one, because it's a, like, a body swap, like, a possession movie. Yeah, no, I've heard um, that too. Which is kind of strange. And then, like, four four and five follow on from three. So three and four, the Dream uh, Dream Warriors and Dream Master are, like, connected. They have Kristen, Kincaid, and Joey in them, but they recast Joey and they recast Kristen. Um, so they kind of follow the same story. Um, and then six is just fucking dreadful. But let's, let's talk about the characters a little bit, because I think... Yeah. Like, this movie does work because it has characters. It's a very character-driven movie. Like, this one and the original. Like, the original has really good characters in it as well. Like, everybody likes Glenn and Tina and maybe not so much Tina's boyfriend who's, like, maybe a criminal. I don't really remember the first one. I blocked it out. And then, like, obviously everybody loves Nancy because she's the quintessential final girl. But this movie, the thing I love about this movie is even though... Like, they do kind of 
they do a speed run of who everybody is. Like they're each individual character gets like a moment to shine. It's not just oh they turn up and die. Like you get to know a little bit about them beforehand. You get to know like why they're in the hospital, like what they're afraid of, like ultimately what their dream power is. The only thing that I because obviously they don't really reference it in Dream Master. Like the the only thing that I would have liked to have known a little bit more about is like gen like because it's it's so the thing I I think what I'm trying to say is like Nancy makes a massive point of them being like the last Elm Street kids in this movie, mm -hmm. but they seem like they're a generation away from her. So that kind of, she's like in her 20s by this point, And these are meant to be like teenagers, I guess. Yeah, or... it's not really addressed. They're somewhere under the age of 18. Yeah. I assumed they were all like 17, soon to be 18 -ish. Yeah, they're all minors and basically what would be like wards of the state. Well, I mean, to be fair, because they've all obviously been sent there by their parents. Yeah. I can't remember in America, like, I don't know if your parents have maybe have, like, some kind of feasible control of stuff like that up until the age of 21. Because mm. America's strange. Yes, for a multitude of reasons. Um, but, yeah, I think <clears> they were all, like, in their late teens-ish. Yeah, which kind of, like, makes me wonder, because in the original Nightmare on Elm Street, you never, it's never outwardly said at what age he was supposed to have, like, interfered with these children or met like murdered these children but they are the same age in that movie that the teenagers are roundabout in this movie mm -hmm. and she basically says that these kids are the last of the elm street kids now there's a good four or five years maybe age difference yeah but it could easily be that like some of their parents were involved before they were born or like, yeah. when they were very young or alternatively they've got an older sibling that was actually like Part of the whole thing and their parents had killed yeah. them because of that. Like, they were all involved. Because this is what I was trying to figure out. Because, like, if those kids were born a few years after, like, Nancy and Glenn and Tina and that generation of kids, like, that's what I was trying to, like, work out in my head of the timeline of, like, were these, like, infant toddler age kids when, like, Nancy was, like, five or six and seven? Mm. And, like... You try to kind of piece together in your head like the scale of the age range of children that Freddy was maybe attacking. I mean, not necessarily. Then... It doesn't necessarily mean that the kids who are like the last of the Elm Street kids were attacked. Yeah. It just means that their parents became aware of it and helped. Yeah. And like, if they were born <laughs> after their parents had killed Freddy, like, you try to start piecing it in your head of like, well, how would they have been involved if they weren't born, but then their parents were like... You know, it it, it kind of becomes be fair, a bit messy babe, when I they... don't think it really No, I know, matters. but, like, I was just trying to piece together in my head the timeline of, like... Because it gets a little bit messy when she explains that they're, like, the last of the Elm Street children. But I think that's a really important plot point, especially, like, I'd like to have known more about that. Obviously, it's a plot point to obviously explain the fact that they have this mass delusion or this mass dream that they're all involved in of Freddy Krueger and things like that. Um... So it it works to serve the plot, um, but it's just something I would have liked to have known like a little bit more information about, because as like um, Kristen says, she never she doesn't know the Elm Street house. She only knows it from her dreams. She only knows it from when she dreams, and like mm -hmm. they only know Freddy from their dreams. They don't know anything else about him. Whereas like again, like with Nancy and stuff, they didn't know until he was killed. Mm. But yeah, I mean it. 
But like that is one thing that I did like in this movie is like the whole ESP thing that Kristen kind of has, mm. where she's like, "Hey man, do you want to like come in my dreams and fuck around?" <laughs> like, and I think the way that they use that to get them all together is really interesting, mm. and like the actual idea of the dream warriors like people that can go into their dreams and have powers to kind of level up to fight freddy is really interesting and like it's a shame that this movie came out in the 80s because it's a very ambitious film and you just kind of imagine if they made it now like what those powers and those set pieces and those dreams would look like because like you know the wi- like when Will becomes the wizard, they basically put a fucking dime store Dracula costume on him and just shoot a bit of green shit out of his hands. He just looks like the Emperor from Star Wars. Mm. And then like you know, Chris- uh, Kristen's power is that she can do gymnastics, which again is on a budget quite a cost-effective like power to have. And you don't really see like Kincaid's strength or anything like that. So. The idea is there and some of the set pieces in the dreams are really cool. You just kind of sit there and think if this movie had a bigger budget, like how much cooler would those powers have been and those dream sequences and stuff. Mm. Um, one fun fact about this movie, and you, you wouldn't have spotted it because of how long ago you watched Freddy vs. Jason. The hospital that the kids are in mm-hmm. and the hypnosil that Nancy's taken are both massive plot points in uh, Freddy vs. Jason. Because Laurie's boyfriend gets taken to Western Hills when he's a teenager, and they've basically been like giving all the kids hypnosil so that they wouldn't dream, so that they would forget Freddy, so that Freddy couldn't attack Elm Street anymore. Hmm. So I thought that was quite cool, that like Nightmare on Elm Street 3, like later on, plays dividends into like the story of uh, Freddy vs. Jason. Hmm. Let's talk about some of the kills because the characters are cool, but the kills are cooler. Yeah. Like, what did you think of the kills in this movie? Yeah, they're quite. They're, they are quite fun. Um, except that one. Except that one. Taryn's death's a bit horrible. Oh, I was gonna say. <laughs> oh, like I like it in concept. Yeah. Like it's a horrible death, but I really like it in concept. Yeah, the puppet one is really fucking cool. Yeah. Like, but Taryn's death, I'm not... Yeah. I don't like it. Yeah, like, there's a lot of, like, gross stuff that goes along with it. And it's like, yeah, it's just not pleasant. And the thing is, as well, like, she's not a bad character. I don't understand why she gets such a horrible death. Like, she doesn't really do anything in the movie to warrant such a brutal death but you kind of figure at the beginning of the film when they mention that she's like a drug addict that that's going to play something into her death but i don't think you quite realize how bad it's going to be yeah although the effect of the little track marks turning into mouths on her arms quite cool Mm. like as horrible as the death itself is like that's quite cool symbolism um phil's death fucking sucks like it's great but it just sucks to watch it's really hard to watch him like be puppeteered around because the effects are so fucking good and like the veins coming out of his feet and his arms and shit it's just it's just really fucking gross isn't it and then when he throws him off the building like it's pretty pretty fucking brutal and all the kids are watching him out the window um i didn't think will's death was particularly inspired he gets like done over with the wheelchair yeah like freddie's like haha i got a wheelchair do you know who the most disappointing death is? 
Who's? Nancy. Yeah. Again, uh, the fight... Sorry, we're skipping ahead a little bit. But again, something else that Freddy versus Jason steals. Because in this, she kills Freddy with his own arm and his own claw. In the end of Freddy versus Jason, uh, Jason cuts Freddy's arm off and Laurie picks his arm up and fucking stabs him with it. Mate, whoever... Like, Shannon and Swift, I'm onto you. I know you guys like Night Dream Warriors. Um... But yeah, like, because you were convinced she wasn't going to die, weren't you? Yeah. But like, let's, okay, let's let's talk about that. Like, because we are talking about the deaths in this movie. Um, what do you think of her death? Like, it's fucking so disappointing. But like, what do you think overall of like her her character arc in this movie, and then ultimately her death? It's still disappointing. Yeah, we're not talking about. Like, the disappointment of her death. But, like, what do you think of her character arc and, like, everything? Because, we, yes, her death is disappointing. But, like, what do you think about how her character is portrayed in this movie? And then, like, obviously the death that she gets. I mean, it's been a long time since I've really seen the first one. So I don't really have much thought on how she's portrayed. Because I don't really remember what she was like in the first movie. Yeah. I like Nancy in this film. I think she's cool. I like um, the way she is with the kids. Mm-hmm. Is cool, but um, I, yeah, I don't really have much to say because I don't really remember watching the first movie. Yeah, I think again, I agree with you. Like, it's it's interesting. Like, a lot of people talk about this being a legacy sequel because they're like, yeah, they brought the original character back, and I was like, it's not enough time has passed for it to be a legacy sequel. I was like, but it is cool seeing her back in the fold, like explaining to the kids like what they're experiencing having someone like on the kids side that's actually been through it Mm. and like i think she plays a really integral role in this film um and it's just nice to see heather langenkamp like playing that character again yeah um and she's like you forget as well like how nurturing she is like because obviously in new nightmare she's a mother but she's basically just play she plays a version of herself Mm -hmm. but you you kind of see more of that in this movie like through rather than through the lens of her playing herself as a mother like you see that motherly instinct come into this movie and i think above all like the relationship that she has with Kristen is really um really nice because she kind of sees a lot of herself in her i think and she becomes a, a protector of her quite early on um but i agree like i think they punked her out at the end like, I don't think her death is, like, worthy of her character. Um, and it's re- it is really... Like, but to be fair, I think Freddy's death in this movie is really fucking disappointing in general. Yeah. Like, I like the real-world connotations of it, of, like, they have to take him to... They have to take his fucking bones to holy ground. And... Yeah, they don't have to take him to holy ground, babe. They're literally burying him in the fucking... Well, it has to be buried on consecrated grounds, no. doesn't it? Yes, she tells him. The nun well, says to him. Then it makes no sense because they're literally burying him in the auto scrapyard. Like, they don't move him to consecrated ground, which would be like a church ground or a graveyard. They bury him in the... But then they put holy water on but it. But that doesn't consecrate the yeah. ground. But that's basically what they do, isn't it? Because she says he needs to be buried on, like, holy ground, is what she says to him. And then he's like, oh, well, I've got some holy water and a fucking vodka bottle and a crucifix. Yeah. And that's that's basically their version of, like, burying him on contact. Like, but then I think the, the whole thing of, like, we'll get to that in a minute. Like, But I agree, Nancy's death is very disappointing. But then I also think that Freddie's death is very disappointing. The fact that they bury his bones 
chuck some holy water on him and then that somehow kills him in the dream world yeah. like one of the kids doesn't defeat him and like nancy stabbing him doesn't defeat him like it's just oh hey man this dude chucks some fucking water on his bones and he's dead um what did you think of all the nun shit and the Amanda Kruger shit oh, and the Fred's Fred's position in this? Did not need that extra plot line. Didn't need it. Like the, I thought the plot, I like I every time I watch this movie, I think the plot twist is fucking ludicrous. They're like, hey man, it's a ghost nun, but it's actually Freddy's mom. Yeah, it was completely unfucking necessary. Like there was enough exposition in the previous films of just like. Freddy was, like, killing kids, so he murdered him, and he's become a dream demon. Fine. Mm. That works for me. That's enough exposition on who Freddy is. I don't really care. Yeah. I just want to watch him kill people. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't really need all of the additional explanation of, like, oh, his mum was, like, assaulted, and he's, like, the son of a thousand maniacs or whatever. I don't, really don't care. Well, this is the thing. Like, they do so much over this franchise to demystify the devil because they explain in this that his mum got locked in the asylum and she got, like, raped by a hundred inmates. And then in part five, they show you it. They show yeah. her. Like, they don't show her being, like, assaulted, but they show, like, the hundred maniacs swarming her and you actually see Amanda Kruger as she was when she was young. And then in the fucking Freddy's Dead, they're like, oh, yeah, man, like, he was abusive to his wife. He may have, like, fiddled his daughter. And uh, he was beaten up by his adopted dad. So they go to the... It's really weird, because we've said this so many times, and I will continue to say this. Freddy Krueger as a horror character is, like, fair enough. People like Freddy Krueger for whatever fucking reason. But Freddy Krueger is a fucking horrible character. Yeah. At no point should you ever feel sympathy for him. They shouldn't be like, hey man, he like kills kids and maybe he like fiddled them as well. Then he got burnt because he's a fucking scumbag, vigilante justice. But then they were like, yeah, but like his mom was a nun and then she got assaulted and then like he was abused as a kid. And like, and I'm like, I don't care. Like, I don't like, why are you trying to make me feel bad for this guy? Like, and they fucking do it in the remake as well. They try to make you seem like he's falsely accused and, like, they actually killed an innocent man. And then in the in the third act, they're like, haha, not really. Here's his pedo den. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, don't do that. Like, don't... Like, at no point should you ever feel sympathy for Freddy Krueger. No. Ever. Like, and I just... Yeah, I agree with you. Like, the whole nun shit... And, like... The thing is, as well, like, it's it's layers on top of layers on top. It's like a fucking wedding cake, this movie. They're like, yeah, man, so his his mum was a nun who was locked in with these maniacs. But, surprise, it was in the same asylum that is now where the kids are. And I'm haunting the place for japes. No, no. That's my only criticism of this movie, other than, other than the way Freddie <laughs> and Nancy get dispatched. Is the whole Amanda Kruger shit? Oh, I do have an issue with the doctor. I've forgotten his name now. I found him very Doctor Gordon. Oh, Gordon. Yeah. Um, like at the beginning of the film, he's all like, "Oh, I don't want no student coming here and trying to use her like modern medicine on our patients. They're my patients." Literally, Nancy shows up because, like, at the beginning, he's all like, "No, I don't want her here." And the female nurse, the bitchy one, the one I don't like, is all like, "Well, it could be very good for the hospital." The minute Nancy shows up, he's all like, oh, yeah, no, I'm totally into this. This is really cool that she's here. And then the nun, the, nun, the nurse is like, I don't trust her. And I'm like, what? 
You're on different sides a second ago. Yeah, like there's some weird subplot where he's taking her out for like... He seems to like fall in love with her really quickly. Like you would think that this dude has been like fucking Nancy for like seven years. He's like, he takes her out for Thai food. He's like doing dream shit with her. He's all like standing up to her dad. He's all like, you might not care about Nancy, but I do. This girl I met two days ago yeah. and did not care for before this moment. And then it's like at the end as well, when he's pouring the holy water on Freddie's bones, he's like, for the children, for Nancy. And then he's got like Nancy's shit at the end. Like he's got a fucking Malaysian dream doll and the fucking popsicle house that Kristen made. Yeah. And it's like, bro, that's fucking evidence. That's like police evidence, surely. Like, but like one thing, one thing I do love about this movie and I do respect about this movie is that they don't really do the whole like abuse of power trope in this movie as much as like other movies have. I'm looking at you, Rob Zombie's Halloween. Like there's one creepy orderly that's got a thing for Taron, but he's chatting her up and it doesn't go any further. Mm. And Joey has the weird sex dream about fake boobs nurse, but it doesn't really go anywhere. And like, I I liked the fact that they had the restraint to be like, this is a horror movie, but we don't need to show you any of these kids being abused by adults. Because you kind of get the sense that like, they have that in their own life. And I'm like, that I really respected. Because too many times you get people in mental facilities that are like, being assaulted by people that are there. And I was like, that shit happens enough in real life. I don't need to see it in movies. Mm. So I do respect the movie having restraint in that regard. Um, now the big question. What do you think of Freddy in this movie? I still hate him. I just don't think he's a very interesting horror villain. Like, in all honesty, I don't think he's that interesting of a horror villain. I don't think he's as cool as everyone seems to think he is. I think the thing that makes Freddy cool is the kills. Mm -hmm. Like, I agree with you. I don't particularly like Freddy Krueger as a character, per se. Mm -hmm. I think he has some funny lines. um, And I think there are things about him that are frightening. The fact that he's a fucking paedophile is terrifying. But I think the thing that elevates the Nightmare franchise in fandom is is the dream sequences. Mm, Fair. Um, and you have to admit, dude, that Freddy puppet looks fucking cool. The the worm. Did you know? Do you know the reason why the worm's green? No. Because it looked like a giant penis. No, of so if you watch if you watch the Never Sleep Again documentary when they're talking about this movie, because it's long and phallic looking, and they were like the phallic imagery of like him eating a teenage girl, they had to put all the green mossy shit on him so he didn't look like a fucking giant penis. Mm. Um, but I like I like the Freddy demon, like the worm. I think the worm's cool. Yeah. I think the TV killer's cool. Um, I like the little stop motion puppet, but not the skeleton, the little... You all right? That skeleton scene, man. Yeah, you had issues with that, didn't so you? So many problems. Um, I like the little clay puppet, the one that cuts himself from the strings. It's quite cool. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think the main reason why this is a lot of people's favourite Freddy movie is because this is the point where he's still scary and he's still like the scary Freddy from the first two movies. But this is also where the joke started coming in mm. and he started becoming the more punny Freddy. There are some 
fucking dreadful puns in this movie. The tongue-tied one, terrible. Mm. And there's some, there's another line that he says in this, and I can't remember <laughs> what it is, but it's really fucking terrible. But like you had questions about the skeleton, didn't you? <sighs> Not even questions. I had problems. Freddy is a dream demon. Mm-hmm. He exists within dreams. They move his bones from a fucking the boot of a car. Two minutes down the moat, like literally, they take them out and put them on the floor. They don't even take them away from the car that he was buried. And he somehow manages to leave the dream world, enter the real world, affect the real world, possess his bones, and then kill Nancy's dad. R.I.P. John Saxon. And nearly kill Dr. Gregory, whatever his name is. Gordon. Gordon. And, like, they went, yeah, that makes sense. Because this is a movie about a dream demon, right? He exists in the dream world. He is not a real-world character. In fact, I think he does come into the real world in a couple of movies, but he's weaker. He comes into the real world in part two. But he's weaker Mm. in the real world, isn't he? Oh, no, no, because in part two, he massacres all the kids at the swimming pool when he's in the real world. I don't know. I haven't seen the second one. But, like... It makes no sense to me that he can have any kind of effect on the real world when he is a nightmare demon. Yeah, and like even the way they try to... Exp- I mean, I feel like we're talking about this movie a lot and we're going to talk about it again soon. Um, even in Freddy vs. Jason... Stop trying to tell me stuff that happens in Freddy like, vs. Jason to excuse the bullshit. No, 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 no but what I was saying is like in Freddy vs. Jason, they explain it of like they can go into the dream and like physically pull him out. Like Nancy does in the first movie. But they don't pull him out. He just leaves yeah, but on this his is, own. Yeah, but this is what I mean. Like, it seems to be a bit... Fa- like, I was trying to create a connection because it seems fast and loose with, like... So in the first movie, obviously, Nancy pulls him out because she pulls his hat It's out. wishy-washy because nobody like, can yeah. actually be bothered trying then, like, to figure out And then, like, in the actual... second one, he tries to come into the real world by possessing Je- Jesse's body and it's, like, real world. But, yeah, like, the whole him possessing the spirits of his bones thing, yeah, makes no sense. No sense. And he looks like a little fucking... Do you know what? He looks like they fucking pulled him off the set of, like, Army of Darkness. It's like one of them fucking, like, Harryhausen-looking ass fucking really skeletons. had problems with it. I was, like, up until that point, I was like, this is all right. And then I was like, oh, no, this is fucking stupid. You've ruined it. You've, you've done it again, Nightmare. <laughs> you've ruined any goodwill I had. Yeah, I mean... They do this a lot with the Nightmare films. They'll gain some goodwill and they'll do something ridiculously stupid. And I'm like, nope, you've lost it. You have no goodwill now. Hey, guys, do you reckon I should tell her how they bring him back in the fourth one? Is that the one where a fucking dog pisses on him when he gets electrocuted? Yeah. Yeah, so a dog is in the junkyard and pisses fire onto his bones and that's what brings him mm-hmm. back. <laughs> I already know about that. <laughs> it's not funny. I think it's hilarious. It's not funny. It is disappointing. You know how so you know how you keep saying he's a dream demon? Mm. Does that mean he would know Morpheus? Mm, no. Or would he be like Morpheus' Wario? I feel like he'd be like Morpheus' Because Morpheus Wario. isn't a bad character, is he? Morpheus is very much like... Uh, I don't, he's not, not the Morpheus that's in this movie, by the way. No, no. He's... <laughs> He's not a good guy or a bad guy, really. He's just a geek. Because I can't remember. We watched Sandman. Mm-hmm. Well, one of us did. Um, is there a nightmare character? Is there like an anti... Uh, is the that... Corinthian. 
Oh, that's the dude that Boyd Holbrook played, right? Yeah, the guy who's got literally teeth for eyes. So Freddy would be like him, I guess. I guess, yeah. I'm trying to put it into like... But Morpheus created the Corinthian, and then the Corinthian escaped the dream and sold Morpheus out to the cult who kidnapped him at the beginning of the show, mm-hmm. who like summoned him and trapped mm-hmm. him in the glass dome. The egg. The egg. Excellent acting in that episode. Um, but yeah, the Corinthian was created by Morpheus mm-hmm. to be a nightmare. And then escaped. So kind of, I guess. But not really. Interesting. Mm. Oh, and the whole thing was set up by... Uh, I apologise, everyone. The whole thing was set up by his sibling. Dave. Uh, Desire. There you go. Yeah, because I keep... I keep, like... I keep thinking about the whole Freddy thing. Because, like... Freddy is a dream demon, mm-hmm. and he is like able to manipulate dreams. Mm-hmm. But like his presence in the real world does create problems mm-hmm. because the thing is, like he was a real person at one point. Like yes. that's that's uh, before he crossed over into being what he ultimately became. Mm-hmm. He was a real person, yes. but like if he can come into the real world sporadically, why doesn't he just come into the fucking real world like all the time? Exactly. Makes no sense. That's what I, that's what I've always wondered. Cause I'm like, he's all like, surprise bitch. I'm at a pool party. Surprise bitch. I'm in this house. Surprise bitch. My bones is here. He just pops up like all the time. And I'm like, bro, you could like feasibly come into the real world whenever you want. Yeah. But like, I don't know. It makes no sense. Yeah. Makes no sense. I really have issues with it. And also, like, I don't understand how the doctor got pulled into the dream. He fell asleep at the same time, I guess. Yeah, because this is, like, the other thing as well. Because, like, he gets pulled into the dream when Joey gets fucked up by the sex nurse. Mm-hmm. But then, like, he, he he's also there fighting Freddy in the real world. <sighs> so, like... His whole. So I think he's only there when they they all fall asleep in the room, hmm. because he also fell asleep while Kirsten was using her powers. Kristen. Yeah. Was using her like forcing like forcefully using her powers to try and drag them all there. I think yeah. the same reason he ends up there in the first place. It's just, it's an accident. Yeah. And I guess the other big question I have, the final big question I have to to ask you about this. But movie. also, he it is there so that the plot works. Yeah. What do you think of the whole i the whole concept of the Dream Warriors? I don't hate it. It's cool, isn't it? Like it's, it's quite a cool, cool. cool. I idea. mean, you are right. The powers are a bit like you guys were really restricted by that budget, yeah. weren't you? But like, I like the idea of it because, like, the thing is, is you're not yourself in your dreams. Hmm. You are like stronger or faster. Or my lungs work in my dreams, which is quite nice. Um, I have hair in mine. <laughs> But you know what I mean? Like, you always, like, depending on what you're dreaming of, you're always not quite yourself. Yeah. You're slightly different in some ways. So I quite like the idea of them having, like, dream powers of, like... Which is something I'm always, I find weird that they hadn't explored before of, like, if you can dream it, you can do it. Yeah. Because, okay, yeah, Freddy might be still be more powerful than you, but, like, surely, if you are also in a dream, you could dream, like, a piano falling on its head from the sky. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so... I also, I also wonder if it's, if it's like, the collective thing, like, the more of them that go into the dream, the stronger they are together. Mm. Like, because Freddy's used to fighting one person, like singular. He's used to going into like a singular dream, 
Um, and I, I, I did what, like, that's another thing that they don't really explore as well. Like, as they start dying, does their, like, power level deplete because there's less of them? Like... I don't know. Like, that would have been a cool concept to explore. Of, like, the more of them that go in, like, are they more powerful? Like, when he starts bumping them off, do they start losing their more power? More importantly, you know how Joey gets, like, stuck in a coma when he gets trapped in the dream and he doesn't yeah. wake up because Freddy's got him? Is he in a coma because Freddy's got him? Or is he in a coma because he's stuck inside Kristen's dream? It's a good question. Like, it's a good question. like, he's not in his own dream at that time. She's pulled him into her dream. Yeah. So is he stuck in a coma because he's stuck inside her dream? Yeah. Even though she's awake? Because surely her waking up would have broken all of their connections to the dream world. Yeah. And therefore he shouldn't have been in a coma in the first place. I'm thinking about this movie way but too then, in like, depth. But then, I don't I feel like it wasn't made to be thought about this in depth. But the other question that it remains as well is like if like cuz this is another thing like you raise a really good point and I'm about to up the ante on that question okay. is if they were all connected in the dream together mm. and Freddy kills Kristen and Kristen dies. Would they all would, die? Would the kids all then go into a coma? Would they all die? Or would they just be like... that? Because, Or would the connection just be broken? That's a really good question. Because she's the thing that's... Well, con- I would feel like if she died, it would either be the connection would break... And then they and would all just all wake like, up. And they'd all wake up or all return to their own dream yeah. world. Or they'd all die. Yeah. Because she's holding them in her consciousness. Yeah. And that's maybe where the power level thing comes from. Like, because you don't really see... Like, you see Freddy attack her at the beginning when he's the worm. But then in the final battle, she doesn't really take much damage. No. And you, I kind of like the idea of, like, the, if, if she had... Like, if she had... If the movie hadn't ended so abruptly after Nancy stabs him... Like, if there was, like, a final fight between... Fred, like, if she got all fucking powered up and angry and went to fight him for what he did to Nancy rather than sitting on the floor and simping, like, I wonder if maybe if Freddie had got a hit on her, whether that would have, like, weakened her power level and weakened the connection, which then would have made the kids weaker. Yeah, also, question is, why do they... I, I know, like, this, if you die in your dream, you die in the real world. But all of those kids aren't in their own dreams, so how does he still kill him? Yeah. Because they're all technically in Kirsten's dream, yeah. not their own. So although he kills them in her dream, he hasn't killed them in their own dreams. Yeah. So surely, therefore, he should have been able to kill them in the real world. And also, it begs the question of, in their dreams, their powers work. So why, if they're collectively in a singular dream that's not their dream, why do their dream powers work? Because technically... Kristen could manipulate the environment around them and manipulate the dream to her end if she wanted to. Mm-hmm. Because they're not dreaming their own individual dreams. They're dreaming a singular dream together. I feel like Belinda Carlisle saying, we dream the same dream, we want the same things. You know? Don't know I song? know the song, uh, but I'm just, I'm just judging. But yeah, but you know what I mean though? Like This movie, like... As a cool concept, like the Dream Warriors, as oh, a concept yeah. and as a superhero but group, the thing really is, is it leaves too many questions. And like I, I know for well it wasn't made with the theory yeah. of like someone's gonna sit here in the future and ask where this They're like this is a four did. million. <laughs> like they literally went, it sounds cool. Do it. They, like... they went. They went like 
some British chick in like thirty <laughs> years' time is gonna be sat in an like, attic. This is Nightmare on Elm Street. Three people, like yeah, pretty much, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. But it does it does raise some interesting questions, and like you can tell as well, like because there is another movie that came out a couple of years ago that's very similar to this. You guys may have heard of it, or maybe not, because it it came it came out with about fifteen different release dates. New Mutants, which mm-hmm. is very heavily inspired by this, um, about a bunch of kids in a facility that all have like special powers, and are being told that they're crazy and being experimented on. Mm. And you can really, and that's the idea of like an actual superhero team. Y- yeah, that's the idea, but like. You are right, though. Like, I get... I would imagine, like, if somebody had this idea now, like, this would be, like, a more well-thought-out, well-defined, well-written... Like, it's not a bad written film, but there would be, like, more explanation of how those dream powers work. Yeah. It's like, in the remake, they tried to explain, like, micro-naps. Sorry. I just tried to rub a bit of dirt off the back of my ankle forgetting i had a tattoo there and it's actually my tattoo and i'm just like sat here like rubbing yeah. this bit of dirt but like sorry guys in the remake they explain the idea of like micro naps of like how you could, how your brain will like take micro naps for like 30 40 seconds at a time and like in that 30 40 seconds like freddie can like try and get you and all is that stuff. true i don't really know like they try to explain it with some like wikipedia bullshit in the movie and the movie fucking sucks but yeah like I I would love to see. I want to give a shout out actually to my man Lee McCoy from Drum Dums, who recently did a video on this. He recently asked if we were talking about legacy sequels, if there was a world for like a Dream Warriors set legacy sequel now that kind of explored the idea of like the Dream Warriors further. Um, go to YouTube and type in Drum Dums, all one word, the video's on there. I'll try and find a link and I'll post a link on our Instagram when this episode goes live as well. Apparently, and on our Twitter. Yes. Micro sleep is a real thing. Yeah. So, I love the, like, I think of all of the, because, like, this is the other thing as well. So, I want to briefly talk about the Dream Master, because Kristen Parker carries over into Dream Master. Yeah. And she becomes the Dream Master. So when all of the other kids die, she takes on their powers. Like, a bit of them goes inside of her. So when she fights Freddy, she's got the power of, like, six or seven of them. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, again, establishing that she has a connection to these other people. I just think that that idea of, like, her connection to the other characters isn't really explored in this movie. No, it's not. But also... This song has a cool docking song. This film has a cool docking song. It does. If I never have to hear that song ever again, I will be happy. This movie has two docking songs in it. I know. And uh, a docking t-shirt. Um, so, what are your final thoughts on A Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors, and a score, please? Okay, well, it's definitely the best of Bad Bunch. Mate, I cannot believe you're calling the two other good, decent, classic Nightmare on Elm Street movies a Bad Bunch. Yeah. When there's fucking four other shit sequels out there. I'm sure they're all just as bad, if not worse. But of the three of the three I have seen, this is the best of a bad bunch. Because I do not like the Nightmare on Elm Street films. I think we can fully say now at this point, Lee doesn't like Nightmare on Elm Street. You're a lunatic. 
and there is nothing that's going to get her to like Nightmare on Elm Street. We're lucky she likes Scream. Mate, if I, let's be honest. Mate, if I cash you outside wearing my Dream Warriors t-shirt, humming that song. You never will. So you're mm-hmm. fine. Um... I didn't hate it. I thought it was like I thought it was a decent film. I liked that it was really character driven. I did really like the characters in this film. Um, Freddy can just get in the bin. To be honest, I really don't like him. <laughs> I don't like that they keep trying to add to the mythology. Like I don't need all of that bullshit. Like, oh. I really don't need the additional backstory for Freddy. I really couldn't care less. Did you not? Did you not like it when he was number one and he turned up being Victor Creel's son in Stranger Things? And they called him Vecna. That's, that's no. Cause what? Do you see now after watching so many Nightmare on Elm Street movies where people are like Vecna's just a fucking blatant rip off of Freddy? Yeah, sure. Um... I realised I just gave a massive spoiler away for who Vecna was in Stranger Things as well. well if people <laughs> haven't seen it by now. Whoops. Sucks to be you. Um, but no, like I think it was all right. I'm going to score it a three point five. Good. So my highest scoring film of this month. Oh, I meant to tell you a fun fact before we end this episode. Yeah. You know the scene where Kristen goes into the Elm Street house and there's the pig on the table. Yeah. That's a real rotten pig. Oh, gross. Rather than puppeteering one, they bought a pig, let it rot for a few days, and then puppeteered so it. So I'm underneath. lowering that score. <laughs> oh. Um, I'm lowering that score. No, nope, you said you said three. It's staying. It's in the movie. Um, I unapologetically love this movie. I don't have a great relationship with the Nightmare on Elm Street movies in general. I like one, two, three, and four, and I like New Nightmare. I don't really like four, to be fair. I like one, two, and three. I like New Nightmare. The Wes Craven trilogy is. By far my favourite. Um, and this and New Nightmare are my two favourites in the franchise. Um, yeah, I think... I've not seen this movie in a really long time. Because I don't watch the Nightmare on Elm Street movies very often. I think this is the first time I've seen this movie in about a decade. Um, I think it holds up really well. The practical effects are fucking incredible. Um, the, the whole chest of souls when Freddy pulls his shirt open. And he's got all the little kid faces like in his chest is really yeah. fucking cool. The Freddy Worm's cool. Um, yeah, I like. I love the characters. I love the concept of like kids banding together as like a superhero team to like use their dream powers to fuck up Freddy. Like it's a really fucking great idea. But unfortunately, as they said, they wrote a twenty million dollar movie and only had four million dollars to make it. So it's a bit of a shame that they were hampered by like technology and money at the time. But I think for what they do with the budget that they have like this movie is really fucking good um it's held up over 36 years um and i think it's probably like as good as the nightmare on elm street movies get um and yeah i just i love it like and you can see like a lot of this movie particularly in stranger things the newest season it borrows a lot from dream warriors and the original um because the Duffer Brothers never had a fucking original idea in their in their fucking lives, um, but yeah. So for me, it's an easy five. Like I think I've given all three Nightmare on Elm Street movies that we've covered a five. Um, Ellen, man, I simp for Craven. So sure. Um, I fucking love this movie, dude. 
And I, I love Kincaid. Let's kick this motherfucker's ass all the way to Dreamland. That's my boy. I love Kincaid. Um, R.I.P. Kincaid. Um, yeah, just a fucking great movie. And bonus Lawrence Fishburne as well. Yeah. He Who was, does fuck all of this movie? He nothing. He just walks around being handsome. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's our thoughts on Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors. Um, as always, come find us on social media, S-I-M-A-H-F pod on Twitter. So I'm Mario the Horror Fan, all lowercase, all one word um, on Tumblr and Instagram. And we will be back next Monday for our final film in February. We will be looking at Hellraiser 3, Hell on Earth. Uh, and we all cross our fingers that I enjoy this one. Fuck yeah, dude. Um, so yeah, as always, stay spooky, stay safe. Take care, guys. Bye-bye. Bye.